episode number 114. On today's show, Simone talks about atheists' issues with Richard Dawkins, Steffi talks about her crush on Tom Landry, and the ladies discuss a vast collection of dongs found in a basement. And now, here are your hosts, Simone Turkington and Stephanie Drury. Hello, Stephanie. How are you, dong? I'm dong very well. How are you, dong, Simone? I'm doing great this week, very, very great, because, um, well, actually from the week before, but um, because um, I talked about this two years ago, but my team, the Hawks, Hawthorne Hawks from Australian Rules Football, um, my my beloved sport, uh, I talked about it two years ago where we lost the grand final, which is the Australian equivalent of the Super Bowl, and I was really sad, and I was very sad about Bunyan being sad, because she was there, and it was a dream to be in the grand final, and she been to so many games and just the devastation and what I didn't mention one year ago was that we got in it again and we won last year so because I think we had like a big break around that time so it kind of happened in between recordings so I never mentioned last year that we won but anyway we got in it again this year and we won again so yeah so it's like we've been in it three years in a row we won it two years we also won in 2008 but and now it sounds like one of those awful teams that wins all the time you know but Mm -hmm. we like we were like in the 80s we were like the best team and we were always like we're in the 90s when we were embarrassing we'd, we'd just say well <laughs> we, we were good in the 80s and like that became a joke like Hawthorne supporters saying that right. they were good in the 80s right so like it took like between we lost one in 91 and we didn't win till 2008 so um, and then and then this break until 2012 where we lost it and then we won the last two. So now it's like a weird feeling to go from being like this like shitty team to like we're the mo- one of the most dominant teams and they're saying we could be like the best team Ooh. of the modern era. Like it's just such a mindfuck because I kind of like, even though I hated it, like, you know, when we won in 2008, it was like really coming up from, from being an underdog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like losing that underdog romance, you know? I so- know. There's, it's totally romantic being the underdog. Yeah, yeah. So, so I feel like if we win next year, we'll really solidify our place as like one of the greatest, the greatest team of the era. And then I'm kind of willing to like set back a bit and let it get tough after that, you know, and like sort of say our our time is done. And Bunyan like just wants us to keep winning forever. But I don't know. I just don't feel like it will be as as exciting for me if we don't have to have to, you know, overcome something again. It has to be a struggle. Yeah, it's like the Red Sox. Like I was so into them for 2004 um, because then one in what. 86 years or something and now they've won like what three or four times since then it's like who gives yeah. a fuck you know so it's over for the Red Sox but yeah not over for the Hawks so yay so that that was a very exciting week but um when you yeah, say so Hawks other- I keep thinking Seahawks I know, I know. It's funny, like we both have hawks that are important to us. Well, I know you don't, you don't really care, but it's like <laughs> but you're, they are it's, a big part of my life. <laughs> exactly. Whether, whether you I want like it to be, yeah. <laughs> I know. And now you got it coming from me too. You'd think you would have some solace from me, but it's more hawk talk from me. <laughs> like I have this thing where I can't get into sports teams except for the Arkansas Razorbacks because that's right. where I grew up and I played Razorback rugby for like a semester or something. So right. And how into that. that do you get? Huh? How into that do you get? I 
I, I'll watch a football game. I will watch an entire game if the, if the right. Razorbacks are playing. And David loves it because that's the only time when I'll be like into the game and like following it and because I'm yeah, emotionally yeah. invested in, in everything. And also the Dallas Cowboys, there's something about them because my dad was always a Cowboys fan. But uh-huh. they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 70s. So they're like, oh, your wow. Hawks, like, times 10. Wow, so, yeah. yeah. But I had a big crush on Tom Landry when I was growing up, who was the coach, who was, like, this... He was this older dude. I thought he was so sexy. Talk about daddy issues. But he would, like, <laughs> always wear... I know. He would stand, like... I thought he was kind of like Frank Sinatra. He would stand with his arm folded, arms folded on the, on the sidelines, wearing a suit, and he'd wear a fedora. And he, like, uh-huh. was so calm and rad all the time. And he would tell... Right players not to over celebrate when they made a touchdown he's like act nice. like you've been there before and i always love that you know <laughs> which is so the opposite of what they do now where I they know. Like, like do their like weird dances and like have their cell phones to like call who do they call what's going on with the cell phones at the at the what is that area where they do the touchdowns the end, zone? Really, the end zone i don't know the area don't know where they do the touchdown <laughs> that's what i'm gonna call it instead <laughs> I like to ask dumb questions, like, even though I know the answer, like, to David, I'm like, how come they're throwing, like, those hankies on the field when they're throwing the penalty flags down? Because I remember Mallory from Family Ties asked that one time. So do you think in general, though, it's just that you're not very, because you're not competitive, like, I'm, like, super competitive, like, so do you think that's part of it? Like, that that, that you just don't get riled up about competition? (laughs) I do. I'm like, can I go read my book now? Like... Yeah. That's like what I'm thinking. I don't. I don't know what, what that's I hate, about. I hate competing against someone who's not into competing. It's oh, like, I can only imagine how how infuriating that would be. Yeah, because I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm like a panting dog who thinks they're going on a walk, <laughs> and the other person's just like, uh, they're just dragging you. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah, let's do this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna kick your ass. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> And the other person's just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me like, of that Looney down. Tunes. Did you, do you remember that Looney Tunes cartoon where the little the little dog thought the big bulldog was really cool? He'd be like, hey, Spike, want to go beat up a cat? Want to go beat up a cat? And Spike was like, oh, yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah, and he'd smack yeah. him and go, nah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, that's me with, a, with any kind of contest. So, but yeah, even like if I'm like waiting for a show to start and there's like a few minutes of basketball left, I'll get into that few minutes of basketball. And I hate basketball, but I'll just like immediately like pick somebody and I'll, and I'll be like, go, go, go. Like if somebody's like just behind by a little, I'll be like, ah, like, so like, how does this happen to me? I don't even care. And I will not watch a second of follow up after this. I don't wonder- remember anything about this. Yeah, what if it has something to do with Teen Wolf? You know that last basket that he almost didn't oh, make yeah. and then it goes in? Like, there's something about that that, oh, I, <laughs> that I wish I, I could recapture in every sports game yeah. I watch. Boom. <sighs> Boom. Boom. Oh. That's the sounds of the basket. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I totally recognize it. Sorry. I don't stop. So anyways, the other interesting thing that's been going on this past week is I've been really, really contemplating the idea of getting LASIK because I wanted oh, to yeah. for years. I first looked into this. You've like, been talking about that for years. Years, I have. Yeah, I've been, I first had an exam for it in 2000 or 2001, I think. Yeah. Wow. And um, 
99 or 2000, yeah, and they said uh, there's two different kinds, there's, well, I think maybe there's more, but just the regular one that everyone gets is LASIK, and I need this other one called PRK, um, but I'm just going to call it LASIK because it's easier and everyone knows what that is, but just because my cornea is too thin, so they have to do a slightly different procedure, um, mm-hmm. it has a longer recovery time, but anyway, so um, when I had it done, when I was checked out, when I was, you know, like 21 or 22 or whatever they it was like you know my eyes kept changing every six months they'd be worse and worse and worse right. so it's like there's, there's no point doing it because your eyeball your shape will change and it'll just not work anymore so i waited and waited and finally the last two years my vision has been steady so i was like okay let's do this so he did the exam again so yep you're a good candidate you can do it and so i just got all riled up and i was like trying to work out how i'm gonna pay for it there's all these different ways and my mom wanted to help out a bit and you know, i'm talking back and forth with her and yeah it just we talked about it a lot and um and you know they tell you there's some risks and you're like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah this risk this risk fine whatever and it's like you can get dry eye or you can get halos at night some people suffer and no talk with the doctor about any kind of vision problems afterwards you know mm-hmm. so i was pretty close to doing it and i was going to go actually not to my regular doctor and the surgeon through cedars but i was going to go to the top guy in la like he's the guy he was involved in like you know the early clinical trials of it any new developments <laughs> he's involved like the fda is like by the time the fda approves it he already knows how to do it because he's been there in the development stage so i was going to go to that he guy he did lasik on mom- fred durst <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just probably. kidding. What if? Gross. Would that be enough to make you not get it from him? Almost, yeah. I was like, <laughs> ooh, I don't want that laser touching my eye. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, and so I was all sort of good to go, and my mom was like, you know, go ahead and do it. She was like saying, you should go to that guy. She was like, do it, do it, because it's the best guy. And then the morning I wake up with a text from her saying, and so I went to sleep very calm, feeling like I'm going to go with the best guy. And I'd be watching all these videos on YouTube of people talking about the recovery process because it takes longer with the PRK. And, um, um, yeah, and just like people talking about, yeah, so it's day five and I can't really see in the distance very well. And I'm just like, ah! You know, it's like terrifying. So, um anyway and so i wake up the morning after i've decided to go to to dr maloney and my mom's like did you read about kathy griffin's surgery with dr <gasps> maloney and i was like oh, oh do you know about this no oh yeah i thought you did because i know you you're, you're fond of kathy Griffin. yeah i do like but- <laughs> her well i knew i knew her bad story about her lipo Oh, right. Yeah, I think she's had a lot of bad surgery stories, which I think I think her odds are higher than most people for the they might of be. surgery she's had. <laughs> but um, definitely above the national average. But um, anyway, yeah, so she had some issue with her LASIK. They did like three LASIK procedures and like two corrective procedures. And she said she still can't see properly out of her right eye. And Dear God. That's a and nightmare. And this is 2003. Yeah, and I'm sort of like, huh. Well, I don't think that makes Maloney a bad doctor because I know things can go wrong and they tell you there are risks. So I kind of went down this rabbit hole. of I, that, that linked me to celebrity, uh, LASIK, LASIK, uh, what was it? LASIK problems or something. LASIKcomplications.com and celebrity LASIK issues, you know? And I just started reading all this stuff and I realized it's like a 2 to 3% chance of some sort of complication, be it the dry eyes where you have to put drops in your eyes all the time mm-hmm. or the halos or some kind of, you know, impaired vision, you know, which is less likely but still, who wants to be putting drops in their eyes all the time, you know? Yeah. And then I sort of was like suddenly... I can see perfectly with my contacts, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I get I get allergies at certain times of year and I pretty much can't wear them for about three or four months of the year. So I was sort of like, you know what? I think I just need to, I just need to just not do this. Like th- think about 3%. I mean, 3% is like one and a half in, out of 50. You know what I mean? Right. 
that's a lot. That's really, really high chance of something going wrong. It is. And it's your eyes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not just like any other body part. It's your eyes. It's your eyes. So I was like, and as it was, I was already going to get them done separately. People go in and get them both done at the same time. So I was like, fuck like this. At the, like, for God knows how long. So I was like, fuck this. I was going to do one at a time. And then finally I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. So I just sort of am accepting that I'm a blind person and I'm going to keep wearing contacts. And I treated myself to a couple of new pairs of glasses. So I'm just like changing my look. And yeah, that's how I chose to deal with it. And it's way cheaper than the glazing. So I, I think it's that. better because you get to involve style. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, so that's sort of been my journey with LASIK. But if anyone's thinking about it, I mean, you'll talk to people. Everyone I talked to said it's amazing, it's the best thing they ever did, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, which I totally, I'm sure it is. But before you do it, you don't know if you're going to be have one of these things happen to you, right. you know? And then once it's happened, it's done. So it's like, I can see perfectly, you know, it's a little inconvenient. I have allergies in my eyes, but I don't think it's worth it, so... Yeah, now, you're just you. about as blind as me. So, have you ever like been thought about LASIK, or what's your deal been with that? I yeah, my friend was going to Canada to get his done, and that made me kind of nervous. I'm like, oh, what's going on up there? But um, my college boyfriend had it done, and he said, oh, he said the doctor's name was Doctor Wong, which back in the <laughs> '90s I thought was funny even then. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I just remember him just being so jealous, you know, I'm like, oh, that's so expensive. When I'm out of college and I get a job, I'm going to get Lasix. But then I found glasses and I'm like, oh, these are kind of fun. And then I had to also have this thing, like a psychological thing. When I take my glasses off, it's like I get to check out. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I can't. I'm like, yeah, I'm off duty now. <laughs> I, I can't like see that. anything. Like, like my vision is so bad that without my glasses, I can't tell what race anybody is. Like, that's how... <laughs> That is a fantastic uh, term of measurement. Wow. I'm so blind, I can't tell what race you are. What about black people? Can you tell black people? <laughs> Let me line some up and, and test them tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what's your prescription? We have the same prescription in opposite eyes. Is it the minus eyes, six or, or something? Did. Okay. Yeah, I'm 6.5 in the right and six point and five point five in the left and I think yes. and I mean they could have shifted by now but you you're the opposite. You have six point uh, yes. five in the left and five point uh, five in the right. Yeah, because we turned each other's glasses upside down and then we could see. <laughs> it's like if we look at each other, look in the eyes, then we have the matching prescription for that. That's the right, eyes. that's right. It'd be good if we were out and like say we were camping, as if either of us would be camping. Like <laughs> we'd <laughs> but you know it'd be such a forced thing. But it we're camping and our glasses broke and we were nowhere like, you know, we could loan each other the glasses. Oh, oh yeah. You know, we could, we could share our glasses. <laughs> so nice. Actually, we should be on the know, amazing I, race with this feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, I was thinking when, when this was happening, I actually always liked that we have the same shoe size and the same uh, prescription. So I was a bit sad that we wouldn't have that anymore if I got the list. Oh, oh my gosh. This is reminding me of that time you had a cake about Bunyan, about how if you guys had the same pajamas on, how would you be able to tell each other apart? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the same height too aren't we yeah we're both five seven same yeah. shoe size same prescription in opposite eyes oh my gosh so don't worry i'm still on team blind with you yeah oh, i can't even okay. put my um my 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 liquid eyeliner because the the, the like wand for it is quite long like the, mm -hmm. uh, the other end of the brush so for me to see my eye there's not enough space <laughs> between the mirror and my eye in focus to fit you just the brush. have to guess so, no, 
I just can't do it. So ah. I, I, can, I can only wear liquid eyeliner when I have contacts in because I can't fit the brush between the oh, mirror and my that's face. that's so funny. Yeah, but I like that checking out. I kind of know that feeling where you're just sort of like, yeah, but I've been actually getting up and putting my glasses on to go to the bathroom at night sometimes. I don't. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I don't know why. But, I would do know. it in class, like to pay attention, I take my glasses off. So, I mean, I'm so easily distracted that I would yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah. Put on I my... think I gotta do that more often, like especially when I'm trying to learning to relax and stuff. Just kind of oh, yeah. take my glasses off to check out. Right when I, I meditate, I totally do that. I don't yeah, like to talk yeah. about meditation because it feels really yeah. pretentious. When I meditate, I, <laughs> I have to take my glasses off. So Man, you gotta that. take the stigma off the meditation. Just talk about it. <laughs> That's just what gonna, we need to just do. Just gotta be real. Um, but we've, we've talked about in the show before about how when you take your glasses off, you can't hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and it sounds weird to people who can see, but it's because when you're talking to someone face to face, obviously we're talking on the phone now and I can't see you and, and you know, I don't need to see you because I, but we're talking in a way where we know it's all about just the hearing. But when you're talking to someone face to face, you know that half of what they're saying is like, it includes all this nuance and gesture and facial expressions oh. that you're missing. And I think, I mean, I haven't read anything. This is my personal theory. So I think that's what it is where someone's talking to you and you know you're missing a huge chunk of what they're doing for you, you know? Oh, good point. That's, that's why I think it is you feel like you can't hear when your glasses are off. Only yeah. when you learn person. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So those are my theories. Um, so yeah, so I've got two great pairs of glasses. I'm getting got them in, getting the lenses put in, and then simultaneously you were shopping for new glasses at the same time. I was last week, and we didn't know that each other were looking for these yeah. glasses. But yeah. today I sent you. Um, you know, I was, we were talking about glasses, and you're like, "Oh, send me the frames you're looking at." And so I took a screen cap of these Warby Parker frames or tortoiseshell that I sent to Simone, and she got later on in her Facebook feed, the Warby Parker, Parker pop-up ad for the very first time with the exact frames that I had sent yes. her on Gmail. And yes. I think that's I get the freaky... I've got the Warby satanic. Parker ads, but I didn't get, I hadn't seen that frame before. And it just came up after you sent it. Uh, but so. I get that frame all the time now that I clicked on it once. So it's like yeah, they yeah, know what no, they're that doing. I, get. I, never, I never clicked on that one because I wasn't looking yeah. for that shape for myself. So they, they, oh, but previously they were sh showing me the red ones. I picked some red ones that I was looking at mm -hmm. and that kept coming up. And then after I opened that picture, um, that exact one came up. So there you go, listener. Another incident for Facebook Watchdog. I <laughs> <laughs> hadn't barked in a while. That felt good. <laughs> Yeah, man, I missed it. <sighs> yeah. Now, um, now you were drunk tweeting, um, "God's oh. not dead." I heard about this movie a few months ago, but refresh my memory and the it's memories so of the listener. Bad. Okay, "God's Not Dead" has Kevin Sorbo in it, who I don't know yes. who that guy is. Hercules. He Hercules. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what Aaron Mason, our donkey announcer, told like, me. I'm like, I don't watch those movies, Aaron. You know, I didn't but watch it. no, it was a TV series of Hercules. Oh yeah, and well, it was like in the same TV. ilk of uh, Xena Warrior Princess. Like it had the same production value. Uh, oh like, oh yes, the same, yes. Yeah. Well, this movie had that same production value oh, of Xena the Warrior Princess, except it was like wide release, big screen. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. I just um, want to add one thing about Kevin Sorbo. Is oh that yeah. What? His name always made me think of toilet paper because in Australia you have a brand of toilet paper called Sorbent. So, oh, yeah, sorbent? Kevin Sorbo, Sorbent, S-O-R-B-E-N-T. Oh, Sorbent. So, anyway, 
Yeah, um, so it always made me. I just it just occurred to me now that sorbent is like absorbent, gross. I, that's anyway. why. I, that is gross. <laughs> Never occurred um, to me till just now. But anyway, that's what Kevin Sorbo always made me think of toilet paper. Like he's kind of soft and squishy, like a roll. <laughs> well, you'll really think that if you ever see this movie. Um, Dongtini listener Nathan Curry from Montreal sent it to me. Like, just put it in my G drive, so I'll forward it to you. Um, it is. Uh, I, so I. Uh, of course, you guys know. Like, of course, it's terrible. Um, so, quick synopsis. Um, there's this Christian dude who's wearing a Newsboys shirt. Okay, Newsboys is this Christian band from the 80s, and they've had, like, 15 or 20 incarnations since, like, Menudo or something. But they're still going, right? So, he's wearing this Newsboys shirt, and it's saying in the credits, like, Dean Cain's in it, and music by the Newsboys. And so, you see him, like, signing up for philosophy, and they're like, oh... You know, looking at his newsboy shirt. The professor is pretty brutal. You might want to think about getting a different class. And so you're like, ooh, foreshadowing. And come to find out the atheist asshole professor is, you know, his philosophy. He, he He's just completely, they're caricaturing atheism. They're like saying, they're just making him look horrible. And so like, I'm I read drunk- a synopsis of this now. Yes, yes. A de- yeah. I started to read a detailed synopsis of this. Yes, yes. Go on though. I it's well, so like through the whole thing, it's just the worst thing you can imagine. It, it's just, uh, and the Duck Dynasty guy is in it. And so just, I can't, I don't even want to think about it. It's making me like feel sick to my stomach because. The racist one? The which one? The racist one? I think they're all racist. I don't know. The oh. one with the big beard? I don't know. But he's like, he's like, Jesus Christ is the most important man in the wild. I don't know. But he, he goes, he goes, them words are in red. So that means they're important, which, you know, the words in red are the ones Jesus said. And I tweeted, I'm like, um, yeah, the, none of the words in red say anything about gay people because the duck dynasty people are all against gay marriage or whatever. Right, right. So like, I, uh, I won't tell you how it ends because all my tweets are up there, but I like, was like, I had to pause it to drink more. It was like depressing me so bad. And I'm like, I want to turn this off. And David, kept talking about Kevin Sorbet. <laughs> so, like, there were parts where I just, like, flailed around laughing at how how horrible it is. And so at the end, there's a news... David's like, everyone's gonna get saved in a Newsboys conference. Sure... Or con- concert. Sure enough, at the end, the atheist professor gets hit by a car, and he gets... You know, they try to save him on the sidewalk. And he's like, you're right, God is... Right. It's just like the most pandering, redonkulous thing. And so then, at the Newsboys concert, very last scene, the Duck Dynasty guy appears on the screen. He's like, I want everybody to get out your cell phones and text God's Not Dead to three people. And everyone, you know, they tell everyone in the theater to do that and so I was getting tweets from people that were like I totally got got these texts from people when that movie came out (laughs) so anyway I storified it so I'll put a link at dongtini.com but it was just excruciating yeah (sighs) yeah no I read a it was by a philosophy professor just breaking down how inaccurate just the portrayal of what would go on in a classroom that was like the whole premise to be like because the professor's trying to make everyone say god's not dead you know and he's just like they they would never do that that's like that's what that's what religion does they try to make people (laughs) exactly say you you agree with this you know like that's the exact opposite of what what they would you'd actually do so yeah i gotta find that again because i don't think i finished reading it but it was pretty awesome 
But uh, yeah, I look forward to reading these tweets. Um, oh, that reminds me. Are you interested in seeing Left Behind, the Nicolas yes. Cage movie? I've, I've heard yes. it's not even yes, so bad that it's good. Like, it's what? just bad. Yeah, I read a, a bad review of it saying it's oh, terrible no. and it's not even so bad. It's, it's good. And he's just... He's, he, Nicholas Cage just, oh, just awful in it. Like, that guy. In a funny Wicker Man way. So... Oh. Yeah, he's a mess. He's a fucking mess. I love yeah. him so much in Vampire's Kiss. I don't know if you remember that movie. It was like a really long time ago. Movie. It's He's so hilarious in it, and it's in the 80s, right? So it's just been the steady decline, I, I suppose. But anyway, uh, poor okay. Nicholas. So, um, it's time for what I believe to be a good batch of dongs in the news. <laughs> So, um, Lisa James sent us a link to a story about a collection of dongs found in jars. What? Yes. Man arrested after jars and jars of human penises discovered in his apartment. How many? Uh, it doesn't say, it doesn't specify. Um, let's see, a 52-year-old man nicknamed the Penis Collector has been arrested by police in Slavonsky Brod, a small city in eastern Croatia, on suspicion of possessing a collection of human body organs. The man was apprehended earlier this week when authorities entered his apartment. They found jars and jars of human penises soaking in formaldehyde. This is my favorite paragraph. According to sources, the man whose name has not been released works as a registered nurse at a city hospital. He has oh. no criminal record and has been described by some as a family man. The <gasps> other says an alcoholic who often showed up to work drunk. Like, I just love the juxtaposition of the two. Like, some see him as a family man. Others see him as an alcoholic who shows up to work drunk. As a nurse, I might add. Not a bartender, he's a nurse. So... Yeah, so it just goes on. They, the hospital's apologizing. You know, he has a maximum sentence of up to two years jail for this. So he's apologizing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not the hospital. I'm sorry, the I have wieners in jars. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm reading this book right now called The Good Nurse. It came out just a couple uh-huh. months ago, and it's a it's a true crime novel about this nurse who. It was killing lots of patients and like worked at a lot of hospitals and was described wow. as upstanding and a family man until uh-huh. he was caught. So anyway, the good nurse is what it's called. But yeah, it sounds very much like this. Like yeah, getting yeah. into it, he was just <laughs> no one suspected him. <laughs> oh no! Wow. I, I um, want to know how many. Like like when you you come uh, upon a bunch of pickled penises in jars like what do you do <laughs> I, just, I know oh. i know well you probably wouldn't notice right because remember how disappointed we were at how the jar the oh i mean yes. never mind i'm i'm doing a spoiler <laughs> yeah okay no i know what you're talking about so yeah 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 that's for that's for the savvy donkini listener to clue into that's right um, so, f- more dongs, not in the news, but I guess in family news. Um, 
<laughs> Greg got um, he does these online surveys to because he gets points for Southwest, so he like he gets like free flights by collecting these points for um, Southwest doing these surveys. So anyway, uh, he got this survey and he sent me. Unfortunately, he didn't qualify, though I guess thankfully he didn't qualify. Um, because <laughs> where is this going? I love it. Yeah, I'm like I was like, why did you lie to like get further into the survey? You know, because this is this is like the qualifying questions. So. Uh, so he only got three and he screen capped all three. Compared to when you were younger, do you have any of the following changes in your erect penis? Please select all that apply. Oh An invitation God. has enveloped on one or both sides of penis. Noticeable oh. narrowing of penis. Penis folds during sexual intercourse. Penis is shorter than it used to be. The head of the penis is less hard than it used to be. And then none of the above. <laughs> Um, then, then, do you currently have any of the following symptoms? Oh my Lump god. or bump under the skin of non-erect penis, not including genital warts, pimples, or blisters. Unusual firmness or hardened, hardened tissue under the skin of non-erect penis, not including genital warts, pimples, or blisters. Not including Lump slash bump, firmness or hardened <laughs> tissue affecting the shape of erect penis. Development of a new significant bend or curve of erect penis. Oh my god. <laughs> and then the third oh question have you, ever, have you ever had any of the following treatments to correct the shape of your penis surgery, injections, topical treatments yes <laughs> yeah. so they just asked these and uh, yeah and Greg didn't qualify because he didn't suffer any of these problems so <laughs> I like I guess... how you're like why didn't you lie this, this could yeah. have gone towards a free flight <laughs> I mean we could have done a year's worth of show on this fucking thing alone <laughs> oh my god the narrowing is is yeah. kind of what cracks me up like that that's got to be disheartening of a new significant bend <laughs> <laughs> not only new significant <laughs> significant new and significant <laughs> combination for extra depressing oh my god yeah so that was fantastic. And then you said you had some information on Ben Affleck's dong in Gone Girl. I have I keep hearing about this movie Gone Girl, but I don't know anything I don't know anything about the movie. Yeah, I tried to read Gone Girl. Everyone loved it when it came out. It just didn't hold my you know, I don't know what my problem was, but I should give it another go because everyone loved it. But um, I don't know any information about Ben Affleck's dong in this, just that you get to see it. So uh-huh. Um, I think that that's worthy of, of, of discussion, just the concept. That's that a dong in the news. Seen. That's news. <laughs> that's kind of news. It's a celebrity dong. It's a consenting celebrity dong. I a say consenting that's celebrity dong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh. so weird. Who would ever have thought? Because I think we saw Kevin Bacon's wiener in, in was it Wild Things? Did you ever see yeah, that Yeah, movie? yeah, that's, okay. yeah. Yeah, I did. I saw it in the theater. It was startling. Me too. It was just so long and pink. Yes! I remember, like, being shocked that yeah. Kevin Bacon, like, a big name would do that. And so, it's yeah. been, like, 20 so years. It's so gratuitous, too. It's like, there was no the point to it. It's like, I know I'm just getting out of the shower in the scene, and I, let's just show my dick. Like, why? <laughs> that had no point to the plot. No well, I'm sure that Ben Affleck is going it. to his wiener's going to have a very important role, and it will add lots of nuance <laughs> and subtext to what oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Kidding. Yeah, no, it's good um, because it's only fair that you get to see girls all the time, and yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and following up from our discussion about uh, reality TV and stuff last week, I, I remember this, when I was editing, I remember this Don Draper quote in terms of, because, you know, the, a lot of what we were talking about was whether bad TV is shaping the culture or if the culture, or if it's a reflection of the culture. And, mm-hmm. and then it, I was thinking about advertising and how advertising is a perfect example of how people are dictated to. They, they're trying to sell you on an idea that this product yeah. will make you run in a meadow while you have your period and stuff like that, you know? So, <laughs> that and, does sound pretty like, awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I went looking for I was like, I know he said this great thing. I couldn't remember it at all. But I was like, I bet if I type in Don Draper advertising quotes, I'll find it. And I did. It was like, he said, what you call love was invented by guys like me to sell oh my nylons. God. And I was like, yes, because I remember that's when I first heard amazing. it, that I was like, that like that's like people think that they feel a certain way about something but so much of it's actually been put into their minds so i think that's a lot where i was coming from like it's putting these ideas in people's minds about what's important and and values and and that kind of thing but 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 advertising is like the perfect example of of people being dictated to i mean that's why there's so much money in it because it works because people are so susceptible to being sold into these ideas you know even when they know it's advertising they know this is an ad i am looking at a billboard i am Oh. Like, how do women buy perfume based on a just a print ad? I don't understand. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to me, yeah, that's I like, know. Well, one, I know. One of the pinnacles of, of, of how advertising works that, oh, I think I want J'adore because I really like that gold lady, you know? In, the gold lady. In, you know the ad I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm Charlize sure. Theron, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, yeah. But, um,. But yeah, but like, I mean, if it has a sample, fine, I get it. But if there's just like a picture, it's like, I don't get it. But people are susceptible to that. They so are, yeah. I think that speaks a lot to how much people get sucked into whatever's being pumped into their into their brains, you know. I know, I'm trying to do themselves. that. It's so hard with the kids. I'm like, okay, you realize what these commercials are, right? And I yeah. like tell them about how much is involved in <laughs> how they're calculating what will yeah. create chemicals in your brain to make you want to buy something. And I'm like, these are all lies. I mean, it's all yeah. lies. And you can totally watch them, and ju- but just know that they're lies. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. I, I want them to be able to challenge it. So. Yeah, but even when you uh, know that, it's like it's hard. I mean, it's like it they're hitting all your senses, things that are just so ingrained in us to respond to. You know, and exactly. I think that's the appeal of of the reality TV is is appealing to people's prurient interest, um, and then. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's like taking away from the amount of uh, the more positive things. I think that's yeah, that's the thing. But yeah, I understand the appeal of it for sure. But I just think it's detrimental for that reason. Yeah. Just taking people down a down a dirty path. But yeah. anyway, um, so I guess yeah, this will sort of tie in some other things that um, I have coming up later too. But um, so I read this piece uh, a few months ago called "The Cult of Richard Dawkins." Mm-hmm. So you know, we talk about obviously all this you know evangelical culture that's detrimental to people, and I think I've talked before mm-hmm. about you know Richard Dawkins' misogyny that's been coming out, and it mm-hmm. seems like he's become like a, a cranky old man lately, and people are, are like turning away from him in the atheist community, mm-hmm. just like he's just kind of becoming a bit of a blowhard because he keeps talking about things he doesn't know about you know like things he's not doing himself any favors lately (laughs) this is what i've been able to surmise yeah just sort of dismissing sexual assault by like oh i got broke in college it happens everybody's no big deal and date rape's not as bad as you know violent rape and just just stuff like that you know and so he needs to like kind of shut up a bit but anyway but this piece was actually talking about um how um 
you know, supposedly, you know, we don't need a church where, you know, we just don't believe in anything. You know, that's what, you know, a lot of atheists like to say. And, and a lot of us do mean it and believe that. But, um, uh, yeah, but I guess, like, if you join the Dawkins, um, uh, the Dawkins, uh, what is it, the Dawkins website, and you join his, his foundation, um, and there's different tiers um, with which you can join. So if you pay $85 a month, um, you get discounts on all the merchandise and a chance to meet uh, Richard Dawkins Foundation for Research and Re uh, so for Reason and Science personalities. So not even Dawkins himself. You get a chance to meet oh. personalities of the of the um, of the movement. Um, and uh, it's a, and they says obviously that's not enough to meet the man himself. For that you pay $210 a month or oh, wow. $5,000 a year for the chance to attend an event where he will speak. What a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I saw him speak for $10. I don't know why this has to be so expensive. But um, anyway, and then... Um Let's see. Um, it says when you compare the going rate for other charismatic preachers, it doesn't. It does seem on the high side. The Pentecostal evangelist Morris Cerullo, for example, charges only thirty dollars a month to become a member of God's victorious army, um, and wow. uh, and with that you actually get free DVDs rather than just a discount on DVDs. Oh, <laughs> so. Um, it's so bad. It's so funny. And, and there's only and the names of the circles are different tiers. So there's like the Darwin Circle and the Evolution Circle. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, the mo and the, I guess the Evolution Circle is the most is the innermost circle where for a hundred thousand dollars a year or more, you get a private breakfast or lunch with Richard Dawkins and a reserved table at an invitation only event with Richard, as well as all benefits Richard. listed above. I might pay that for Richard Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, oh my god. Richard Simmons wouldn't would dismiss so my sexual assault history like Richard Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> he would weep with you. He would weep He'd with go, you. Oh, honey. Yes. <laughs> would you like a Swarovski would... crystal? <laughs> oh, so anyway, so I just wanted to, to, to share that, that yeah, the, the Dawkins. But I think this is what I will say for, for atheism is that I love that we're all just turning on him. Just like, you know, know what? He's turning into funny. a cranky old blowhard. And that I doesn't jive with us. I mean, so, just like, well, there are still you know. people that'll wave the book, you know, like the Bible. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think overall the people are like, yeah, no, no, sorry, you're full of shit. Whereas, which is, you know, how we, I guess we're different to the to the people, you know, touting those, you know, Christian creeps like Falwell and stuff uh, until they're dead So and after. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that they're, you know, they're not letting what they believe supersede the fact that, okay, maybe you could be a little bit more sensitive <laughs> of other people's yeah. experience. You know, kind of like the Christianity thing. It's like, all right, you know, we believe the same thing, but you're kind of being a dick. So, I, you know, I like when they do that in Christian circles. Yeah, and... yeah. Yeah. It just seems harder circles. to come by. They are, there's, there's so much thing. more to overcome, though, so... But I mean, like yeah. Dawkins is like our only our only big guy, and we're shitting on him. It's pretty. Yeah, hilarious. now that we don't have Christopher Hitchens, I like that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we y'all don't have him anymore. <laughs> no. God killed, punished him with cancer. <laughs> uh, okay. 
So, um, so I guess yeah, following on from that, well, yeah, still talking about like belief and stuff. Um, I had this further down the list, but it's stupid because it blends perfectly. But um, I was listening to the I talked about it before the You Are Not So Smart podcast, um, mm-hmm. which is also a book You Are Not So Smart, and um, and uh, I do recommend. I mean, obviously you can appreciate it if you're interested in you know religious matters as we are. You can li- listen to it from that perspective, but it's actually never taking that perspective. It's just taking the perspective of how people think and address things. So you could say, oh that explains why people do this and believe that you know what I mean but uh-huh. it never actually you know hones in on belief and he actually in oh, the episode no. today specifically said I, I never talk about religion because he's really just talking about psychology and yeah, of course yeah. the psychology will apply to religion but um, but that's never his intent so um, oh, so cool. yeah so the 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 current episode, the newest one out of You Are Not So Smart, is about forming, keeping, and changing um, and changing beliefs, like how our brains um, work to do that. And it's it's really good for, I think, both sides, both atheists and believers, because it, it talks about the role of intellect and intuition into forming our beliefs. So oh, cool. um, they have like three three different experts. So it kind of covers all of it, because I mean, not that I've been someone to be like, oh, emotions are stupid, we should all just be 100% logical. I mean, I feel very guided by logic, but of course mm-hmm. I'm, I never want to turn away from the role emotions play and everything but um, but actually it says how uh, people who actually lack emotions or have very little emotion like they've done studies with these people like where they I think had previously had some emotional responses and it's very hard for them to make a decision like they can't mm-hmm. form a belief about whether to use a red pen or a blue pen because their minds are just well okay if I use the red pen it will look like this and you know what I mean like they spend yeah. all this time find, trying to find a logical reason for choosing one over the other whereas I might just be you know what I like blue better you know to write with you know if I was Correcting something, it has to be read. You know, like I've got just this feeling, this inbuilt feeling of what's right and wrong already, with no real logical reason as to why I want to use which pen. You know what I mean? So yeah, it just talks about how beliefs are formed in that way, based on intuition. And it's one guy's talking about how he doesn't believe in ghosts yet. If he's telling his kid a ghost story and making it up as he goes along, he starts to feel kind of scared because you have this ingrained mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. belief in you that this is scary, and you, you're 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 it's creating a fear response. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it comes even though intellectually you know that's not true and he said I tell people I'm not afraid of ghosts but if you put me in a castle in Transylvania at night by myself with a flashlight I would be afraid of ghosts you know what I mean like that whole situation will put the sphere into him even though intellectually he knows there's nothing happening but it's like something beyond that that is like in him that's frightening him you know so 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 that that part's really interesting and then they talk to um um to this other author who wrote this book called Fuck, 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 what's it called? Oh, yeah, Unpersuadable. So it's like people, why people can't change their beliefs in the, in the face of facts. So, um, and what he did, he goes around um, uh, around the world talking to different people with all kinds of be- pe- beliefs, people from who believe in young, uh, young Earth creationism to people who scratch themselves constantly until they bleed because they believe something is like crawling out of their skin. Just, yeah. and, um, and, and just trying to understand why they believe that, you know? And he's actually, and he tries to take it from both sides and understanding where they're coming from, not just, well, we know that this scientifically isn't happening, but trying to understand why they can't be persuaded um, otherwise, even though we know definitely that's not happening. So, um, But one thing I really liked, he said, if you're wondering, if you're being irrational about something, um, examine how sacred or emotional you are about something. And Because um, if you're being, if you're really, if something's really sacred to you or you're very emotional, it's possible that you're, you're being irrational about it. You know, so that doesn't speak anything to its, its fact, but it just speaks to how your mind is processing any kind of um, 
subjective thought about it, that you're just having this sacred emotional reaction to something. So I thought that was an interesting way for all people on all beliefs to sort of check themselves, you know, as to how, mm-hmm. how am I really responding to this? Is it from a uh, just sort of an emotional place or a, or a logical place? So, yeah, I thought... But anyway, it's, I highly recommend listening to it. So, um, cool. Because it just really, yeah, gives a lot to think about as to where we're all coming from with whatever it is that we believe, whatever it is. So, yeah. So um, I'll link to that on the uh, on the on the website. Um, oh yeah. So now this has been I've had this in the document for a while. Also following from this. Um, so and I wondered this for a while too. Now we're both friends with each other, obviously. You believe in something, I believe in nothing, and um, I'm not pigeonholing you into anything because I don't know where you're at today. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't use the c word. I will call you a cunt though. But um, <laughs> please call me that c word and not the other one. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but um, I I've wondered this before, and I think I know my answer. Um, but do you think? Obviously, we can be friends with each other. We have other friends that have different beliefs from us. But do you think you could be in a in a relationship, like a you know, like a spouse relationship, with someone um, who's complete opposite? Like, could you be in a relationship with an atheist? And I obviously could I be in a relationship with a Christian? What do you think? I think so, because but it would depend on the type of Christian and atheist, or whoever, whatever belief persuasion was going on because I think that what's underneath it is um, what would make it work is someone is you know you have to be mature enough or whatever solid in yourself enough to be able to say this is what I believe and what they believe is doesn't threaten my worldview like they don't think less of me for thinking that thinking what I believe so I think that as long as that mutual respect is there I think it can work and I think it's rare (laughs) you don't hear about it too often but like David David claims solid belief and I'm like eh I don't know all the time and and it works fine it makes it more interesting maybe even you know because I'm like oh well he believes that for a reason and you know he's like she believes that for a reason and you know none of us tries to school the other so yeah, so yeah. in that sense, it works. I mean, it's not like we're coming from very completely different perspectives. But yeah, what do you think? I feel like I couldn't. So I guess I just mm-hmm. immediately sound like an asshole. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just that, I don't know. I feel like with your, for me, anyway, as I said, this different people have, I mean, you know, you have, we have people who have practically nothing in common except that they accidentally had, you know, got one of them knocked up and they are in a relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I have different... Uh, expectations on on my relationship you know because i think i think our relationship right now is so so good and we're so in tune about a lot of things that i think i guess i'm obviously i mean it's informed by what i'm used to in terms of what i've already experienced you know so i feel like now say i was sadly single and was looking for someone else i would miss that i would feel a certain closeness was missing you know mm-hmm. that you know there's certain like you know that that, that he's like the one person in the world i can just sort of let it hang out and just be like blah and we just like totally on the same page and not like we're 100% in agreement we have variants on this mm-hmm. and we have full discussions and you know we're mm-hmm. still within the same stuff we'll have very different perspectives on you know sort of like our legacies and things like that we have different thoughts on but you know what I mean but ultimately I feel I feel very connected that we share the same mm-hmm. beliefs on that and there's no conflict as well with the children and what we want to teach them right. you know so and that I mean, and, and, and I think 
Even before this, even before Quincy, I thought that, but now especially it's like, yeah, I don't know how I would have a child with somebody trying to tell them that Jesus is real when I think That would be terrible to not be agreed on that. That would be terrible. Yeah, how would you feel if you were with someone who was like, Jesus is... I mean, as I said, like you said, there's a respectful way to do it. You can say... Yeah. You could have someone that's like, well, I don't believe that Jesus was that special, but, you know, yeah. he seems like a good guy. Or you could have someone, like, saying Jesus is bullshit. I don't think... I Do you yeah, think yeah. you'd be in a relationship with someone who said Jesus is bullshit? Oh, no. I don't think I could. Yeah. Because that's just, like, seems disrespectful. Uh, it just seems... Yeah. Not, not those words, but just kind of the approach is, isn't curious and isn't open. You know, it's kind of like, I've made up my mind and... You know, your your experience yeah. is invalid. Is what that feels like. So like, right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. With the kids, with our kids, we're kind of like, I'm like, you believe. We we both great. Luckily, are on the same page. Where we're like, you believe what you what resonates with you. Like, we'll talk with you about yeah. whatever we think and why. But it's completely up to you guys. So. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thankfully, we're on the same page about that because I know people who do like you know a Jew married a Catholic, and it is a huge point of contention with what are you going to yeah, do with the yeah, kid? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think for people that are kind of ambivalent about it, it can work because like oh yeah, I don't care, you know, whatever. You mm-hmm. know, like, there are a lot of people who are sort of religiously ambivalent. They'll identify as one thing or the other, but they're not really that you know involved or convic- convicted in any way. You know, so I think for maybe for them it could work, but um, yeah, for me I think I. Yeah, it would be hard to have someone who's like devout, going to church, wanting to to raise our child that way. I'd be like, wait, what? It would be like, because to me, it would yeah. feel like they're telling them something that I think is really not true. You know, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, and that's why I think I would have have a problem with it. So, yeah. But yeah, but I don't think that impacts. I think it's so different with friendships and your and your partner. So because um, yeah. they're just such different types of relationships. Yeah, definitely. You have so much more invested. <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids or no kids, it's like yeah. And I, I think I just, as I said, I really appreciate that closeness, you know, that we have in, in that we share that same idealism, you know. So yeah, I think and I think that's what I would I would want. So yeah. Those are my thoughts, oh, but good. I like it. Oh, good. Excellent. Call three two three three oh one dog. Call three two three three oh one dog. Hey, this is Jonathan calling from Michigan. Um, I have a story that I actually heard from my friend Kelly in Texas. He called it online recently, and it would be much funnier if he told the story with his Texas Texas accent. But anyway, um, he and his his husband were taking their friend Crack Baby to see one of the Twilight movies when those were in theaters. And as Kelly tells it, you know, they sat through two hours of this nonsense, and the whole movie builds to this point where Bella and Edward are professing their undying love for each other, and, you know... Uh, he says, I love you more than I've ever loved another human being or some nonsense. And then Bella says, and I love you more than anybody has ever loved another person in the history of the world. And at that moment, Crack Baby very audibly goes, now sutter in the asshole. <gasps> Kelly freaking lost it. And I think David, was a, his husband, was a little embarrassed. And all the Twihards in the theater gave them dirty looks. But I think that's pretty awesome that his uh, fucking asshole joke had a two-hour buildup. So that's the story, and it would be funnier with Kelly telling it. Now fuck her in the asshole. <laughs> like Cartman. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love so listening to Jonathan so much. Yep, he's got some great stuff.
So, I think we're going to wrap things up now. You may have noticed a change in audio. That's because uh, <laughs> the computer died in the middle and I've switched to recording it on my phone. So, um, hopefully this sounds okay. Anyway, so um, I've had an issue with Verna's ginger ale. I'm not going to explain it to you because I wrote a letter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is my own the letter, product The letter life. tells it all. Okay. Oh my god. I'm writing about a problem I'm having with the plastic rings that hold a six pack of Verna's ginger ale oh, together. The plastic rings? <laughs> yes. I'm not joking when I tell you that the last three times in a row when I bought this product, a can or two has fallen out and exploded. The first time happened at the register of the supermarket. As, I was, as, as it was all I was getting, I opted not to get a bag. As I picked it up, one can flew onto the floor and two Albertsons employees set to work mopping up the mess while I was advised to grab another six-pack from the shelf. During the second incident, there was only one package on the shelf with one can already missing. I thought someone took a single, but now I am of the belief that it fell out. As I <laughs> now I am of the belief. <laughs> As I walked through the produce section carrying this five pack, believing the previous incident was a one off, a can flew off and exploded beneath the mushroom display. When I got to the register, they charged me for. <laughs> when I got to the register, they charged me for four single soda cans as there was no six pack to replace it. When I got home, my husband, unaware of these prior can explosions, grabbed the four pack to transfer it from the counter to the fridge when another can went flying, exploding all over our kitchen floor. <laughs> okay, this is a problem. <laughs> this is a problem. After all of this, I believed I was ready to take all measures to make sure this never happened again. This evening, I carefully removed the six-pack from the shelf and into the baby seat portion of the cart so I wouldn't have to lift it from the depths of the cart all the, the way baby up to the seat conveyor belt of the <laughs> I'd put it there so I wouldn't have to lift it from the depths of the cart all the way to the conveyor belt at the end. I was able to safely transfer the six-pack from the cart to the belt, and it was then moved from the belt to the end of the register, where the bagger placed it directly into my cart as I was out of my own bags. I winced, but there just wasn't any more room in the bag I brought, and they don't use free plastic bags in LA anymore. When I got to the car, I picked the six-pack up from the middle, thinking the weight would come to the middle and hold itself together. I made the transfer oh, successfully no. and proceeded to make the one-minute drive to my home. Imagine my dismay when I found one of the middle cans and separated from the six-pack with no agitation whatsoever. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> These cans are magical. <laughs> I know. Now to get this known dud inside. I put the can back in its ring and carefully placed it atop a six-pack of, of paper towels, which would soon turn out to be quite fortuitous, and oh, gently no. carried them upstairs with everything else slung over my shoulder. With my oh, arms full, my husband greeted me at the door and went to grab the cans. No, I gasped, and reminded him of what happened last time. He took the paper towels and balanced <laughs> cans on top, and, and, and took the towels and balanced cans on top and placed them on the floor. The six-pack of Verna's ginger ale was now just one foot off the ground the height of the paper towels I gently went to lift them up and can you guess what happened next that rogue can slipped out again fell off the top of the paper towels one foot and bumped the hardwood floor and started spraying ginger all over the floor my legs but thankfully missing my beloved couch due to the, the due to the direction of the spray <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> As you can see, this is an ongoing problem I'm having with Verna's ginger ale. It is our favorite ginger ale, but is my least favorite when it comes to packaging. As of now, I am out two cans, the time it took to write this, and a hell of a lot of paper towels. 
I was gonna say this must be really good ginger ale. It really is good. It's much better than your Canada Dry or anything. It's got an extra burn to it. Anyway, some compensation would be nice, but just getting new rings to hold your six packs would be much, much better. <laughs> the end. <laughs> anyway, so I filled out like, their form or whatever. Yeah, you know, and they want to, you know, have all those like required feels. And then I said this in the evening, and the next morning while I was at work, they called me on the phone. And? <laughs> and I'm sort of like, um, yeah. Like, then I have to, like, you know, sort of, like, I meant every word I said, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not completely batshit insane. I'm funny. So. Are you sure, ma'am? <laughs> but, yeah, so I was kind of, like, you know, treating, I was, like, laughing about it and, yeah. and explaining it. And she's like, sounds like you're having a terrible time. I was like, I am. It does sound like you're so, having a terrible time. Yeah. How many, so like, how many cans? I lost count. How many were? Um, I lost one that I didn't pay for at the register. Um, one, two from the second pack. Three. I lost a total of three, but a fourth one that I didn't. I, I went and got another six pack. So yeah, this happened with four pans. What about the couch one? The couch. That, well, that one. That that counts. Yeah, that was the one that fell. That was okay, the fourth okay. one. That was that was the one. That, that's when I wrote the letter. I meant to write it, it before, and then that was like the final, <laughs> the last straw. So anyway. <laughs> And so they apologized. They got the lot number because they want to know, like, what is it? Obviously, it's these rings that are shitty, you know? Oh, this um, is amazing. Because I never had that happen. And so they figured out, like, the batch number so they can go check on the rings. And, um, uh, yeah, and they sent me some coupons for, for some $2 off bonus. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Now, well, this is definitely going to make me drink some Werner's ginger ale just to see. It's very good. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I, I got you on the Hanson's... Uh, uh, soda, so I've uh, the yeah, you did. Tonic, so. the, was it the yes. club soda or the tonic? Oh, the, the tonic, the tonic. That's yeah, right. I made some good recommendations. So, you do, <laughs> yes. Very good. So that's our show, listener. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this is still audible. Uh, please visit dongtini.com <laughs> for any bonus material. And um, yes, do visit Am- our Amazon link also if you're going to buy anything so we get a kickback. And that'll do it for this time. So until next time, bye, Stephanie. Bye, Simone. Bye. Bye. With all my friends we hang around The back streets here in my hometown Because I got no money and I look real poor It doesn't mean I'm saying that you can close your doors
Radio.